Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Flames Fancast. Uh, tonight we're recording right at the end of the third period of the Vancouver game, which if you're a Flames fan, which we are, is a, is a wonderful game. Uh, Vancouver, of all the games I've watched this year, Vancouver are playing the absolute worst of any NHL I- team I've seen. And uh, don't get me wrong, it's not flattering Calgary, but I mean, we've definitely been helped out on a few of those goals. And we've even scored a power play goal tonight, our Sorry. first since December 6th. Absolutely. How excited are you about that, Jenk? Very excited. We needed to bounce back. We needed to bounce back. Uh, this game looks like it's wrapped up. Uh, but our last, what, four or five games have just been looking pretty we, awful. We've had a, we're, we're coming off a three-game losing streak into this Vancouver game. We lost to Minnesota in overtime. Uh, we lost to San Jose the other night. Mm-hmm. And who, do, who else did we lose to in there? Well, Nashville. Nashville. Nashville was the Thursday night game, yeah. Yeah. And I mean that Nashville game No, Nashville was last night. Right, Nashville was Saturday night. Yeah. San Jose was Thursday, sorry. Yeah. Um that Nashville game, it's just They just owned us. It, it wasn't even close. They're a good we, team. We, we didn't do anything. <sighs> we had our chances, but I don't know. We didn't really have any grade A scoring chances. It just felt like we um it as was an opportunity for us to do something on the power play last game. We had our chances for that. Oh, yeah. That's well, we, I mean. we really blew that. Like, we, we had totally a two-minute five-on-three. Mm-hmm. They had a five-minute major. F- there was four-on-four four going on there, and then we just produced nothing out of it. But it, w- it, was a, it wasn't great. And, I mean, I know we hit four posts, but if you look at where those shots are hitting the post, it's on the outside of the post. And mm-hmm. those posts are thick. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're big metal. And, I mean... Well, the other that's thing a, that's a that's a miss. Like you're not hitting the net, you're missing the net, and a lot of our shots lately have been off target, just way wide. For sure. But like the the other angle is that I think we've been playing teams with better coaches as well lately, and I think that makes a big difference because we have this one dimensional power play thing where we just drop the puck, do the drop pass, and then skate Johnny in. We gotta we gotta change it up a little bit. Well, I think teams have they know the book on us too on the power play. Well, when and the book is one page, it's not hard to what, memorize it. What I don't like is, and this is no disrespect to Chris Versteeg, is that they're saying a lot of our struggles are because Versteeg is out. Now, you've got Versteeg in your team, a third line guy. I mean, by no stretch of the imagination is he really like should be that central to our power play. But it seems like. He is, and I, I find it hard to believe that no one else can really step up into that spot where Versteeg was playing to, to make that unit click. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, they've been trying it with Jankowski, right? Um, I, I think people didn't give enough credit to Versteeg. I think it's not just his, I mean, presence on the power play. I think there's just a bit of that extra experience he adds on, like he calms guys down. Uh, I mean, I look at Dougie, for example, and Dougie's just not been that good at all in the last... I don't know. It feels like eight, seven, eight games. Um, he doesn't even do the simple pass properly in the power play. I think Versteeg just did the simple things right and calmed the guys down. Like you can hear him; he's very audible. But I mean, shouldn't I guess the the communication component is a bit harder to replace? But yeah. I feel like we should be able to find something better than than what we're doing here. Oh man! <laughs> oh, we just saw a three on one and Dougie Dougie's made a pass bad again. pass into the skates. <sighs> Again, nothing but would make us happier than to see these guys stop these mistakes. But, but I mean, anyway. it, our power play has just been lacking those 
those scoring chances. And I mean, we're ranked 20th in the NHL right now. Our power plays performing at a rate of 17 and a half percent. That's horrible. Which and is probably we got another two on one here. Maybe gone up a bit. Oh, oh what a that save! Was, that was nice a great save. save. But um, it hasn't been good, and I mean, we haven't been really taking our scoring chances when they've come lately either. No. Save for tonight, where I mean, we've been we've been scoring our all of our chances really because Vancouver's just absolutely terrible. They they don't even look like they're skating or moving. They just don't even look like they care. They, they all look like they're hungover or something. <laughs> like they don't have any effort in right now. They didn't play last night, did they? I don't think no, they did. No, I don't think so. They're just all flat, completely flat. I don't, I don't know what it is. Something. And the, so the, f- the stadium's empty again. It's it's Vancouver. Do you think uh, the power play is down to coaching or just down to being in a rut, or it's multiple factors? But I think the coaching needs to improve with this whole thing because, um, again, like I think we're always doing the same. We're doing the same shit every single power play. And it doesn't take a genius to start reading the flames out as much as like teams have lately. Like it's it's a testament to how poor everything is in terms of our planning with the power play. Like, I mean, I'm putting a lot of emphasis on the coach here. Like the players obviously have to score their chances. I know Monahan was a little snake bitten. He had that chance when the puck kind of just dropped right in the slot, right in front of the net for him. He just whiffed at it. Um, ever since he kind of missed that empty netter or whatever a couple games ago, he got. You could tell he's like a little mentally shot in the head a little bit, but anyway, I guess like, I guess what I'm getting at is our coaching needs to be better overall, and the power play is no exception. I would love it to see Bellison have some fucking passion on the bench because like every time he gets uh, gets a referee to explain a, pa- a penalty or or a call that he didn't like. He looks like he's so calm. He's just like, yeah, okay, yeah. He's like listening to him, smiling at him. Like, I'm not asking for the guy to huck a chair onto the ice, but like, I'm asking for the guy to like get some passion going here. Maybe he does it in the bench or sorry, in the dressing you room. You mean like a- anger and fire? Some anger, yeah, some fire. Because <coughs> again, this is a young. We have a young team, and like, I think younger younger players like guys like that who like, you know, stick up for their players a little bit, a little bit more. I don't know, with some passion, just like, you know some hand gestures, like some shit, like something that gets guys fired up. But he's way too calm. I, yeah. I, honestly. Well, I, w- I saw him. I can't remember who this game was against, but we had a goal disallowed, and then he challenged it, and then they said there was no goal to enter interference, and it was a good goal. And he was he was really passionate about us scoring that. But I don't remember who it was against. I think it was a Bennett goal, too. Mm-hmm. And it, it ended up being a big goal in that game, too. And you know, he was pumped because he made the right call and used his challenge and got it overruled. But I, I can see your point. Maybe he just thinks that that calming influence does something for the Flames, but I'm not exactly sure how his relationship is with the team. Yeah. Like, it seems like it's a bit tenuous sometimes and a bit peculiar. Like, it's not exactly, you know, these guys know he's the coach. It's just kind of, well, they know he's the coach, but... yeah. It just seems like they're not always. He's like a buddy almost. Like uh, he's on like the on the same page sometimes, and that yeah. he doesn't quite, you know, have the ear of the dressing room all the time. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I just, I just get that feeling, and I feel, you know, sometimes like the players don't want to go out there and perform for whoever, for the fans, for the coach, for for your buddies, for each other. Yeah. I think you need a bit of that spirit in the players sometimes to really turn things around especially when you're struggling as the flames have been of late well people knock on tortorella quite a bit 
but the the math doesn't lie with his with his history. You know, like he's turned around Columbus. He did really well with the Rangers. He obviously won a cup with Tampa. Well, that does that cup doesn't count, but <laughs> I mean, he took him to the final. Let's just say that um, he has a winning record, and he is probably one of the more <laughs> I don't know what the word is like the most like outspoken coaches in the league, if not probably the most outspoken. volatile and volatile. <laughs> but I mean, there's an element of that that works. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that you, you need a balance. You don't want to be too much like him, uh, but you do want you do want some sort of like <coughs> emotion. Like the guy, it almost feels like if you're a player and you're looking at him, it's like, dude, why, why are you getting more angry at the ref here? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I, I know what you mean. But uh, at the same time about Tortorella, Columbus's power play ranked 31st in the NHL at under 10%, 9 9.75%. That's awful. That is awful, but I don't know what that boils down to either. They're still, they're still doing well. I mean, oh great, yeah. great goaltending helps a lot. And if the refs, uh, here's an example that I, I was looking at before this game. So I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but there's that highlight reel save from Bobrovsky. Uh, it's a two one zero against Detroit. Detroit has two players coming in, and basically what it looks like is he slides across to make the save, but in the process, his stick magically. Uh, gets separated from his blocker hand and then kind of interferes with the other player who's coming in. And if you watch that highlight, uh, specifically from the behind-the-net cam, you'll see Bobrovsky throws that stick and then comes across to make the save. And no call on that, but I mean, in tonight's game, we had uh, David Riddick. He gets called for throwing the stick in what was uh, very, 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 very soft at best. I mean, it just seems like, I don't know. We're not we're not getting the benefit of many calls here. Or even the, even the commentator on Sportsnet was like, "Yeah, bit bit dubious on this one." Yeah, but Dennis, you really hurt us, man. Yeah, Dennis, God damn it, fucked us over again, man. You just you just keep screwing <coughs> us. Um, worse. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I just was gonna say that for our our regular listeners, which again, I, I maybe we can count on two hands here, but. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't at the last podcast. <laughs> we had our friends, uh, Euler fan friends, on the uh, podcast. I, I'm a terrible sport. When we lose, I'm just like the most negative individual you'll ever meet. I was texting Tyler during the game when the Oilers were up. What, what was it, like 6-1? They were up, and then it was it was down to 6-5. No, no, I know, but they were up 6-1, and I text Tyler, I'm like, I'm not doing that fucking podcast tomorrow with those other fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept going off. It was like, no, I don't care if the Flames even come back and win the game. I'm not doing it. I don't want to see their fucking faces. <laughs> so that's why I wasn't there last podcast. I uh, really just want to avoid any type of uh, physical altercation that could have happened while we were recording because I'm a bit of a hothead when we lose. <laughs> anyway, I hate the Oilers. But and hey, we got we got microphones for this one. Exactly, we're back to good audio. Quality. We're back to good audio, Absolutely. so that's last. That's always a plus. Uh, oh yeah, feels good. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Jim. Sorry, I interrupted you, but uh, no, just I, f- I the, forgot what I was saying. Just after thought your these yeah, six listeners that listened to us needed. An I'm sure. I'm sure they missed you. Oh, well, fucking rights, they missed me. I'm sure they did. Yeah. No one said anything, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they missed you somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> Worse, as I mentioned. Over this um, little patch of uh, roughness that we're going through is our penalty kill, which is 27th overall. 
77 and a third percent. So we're killing off 77 and a third mm-hmm. of our uh, penalties that we take, which is 27th in the NHL, which is bad. I mean, if I was watching that Nashville game, and the way they closed this down and the way they were positioned, and even five on five, someone knew it was their job to press on our defenders because they, they'd known that, that we cycle the puck, and we cycle the puck lately to no obvious purpose or to avail. And as it cycles around, we don't shoot it. When we do shoot it, it misses the net. But Nashville just puts pressure on our players, and they pass it away, and then we give up the puck without having any kind of bona fide chance. And I mean, I got a bit distracted from the penalty kill here, but our ability to defend that kind of play that we're doing is lacking as well. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating to watch teams know, know what they're up against against us and be able to have a plan to shut it down. I mean, yes, Nashville is an exceptional team. They're a cup contender. They're, they're playing really well. That defensive core is amazing. Their goaltender is exceptional. Like, Pekka Rene had a really good game. Oh, he was unreal against us. <laughs> but you look at Mike Smith, the second goal he let in, really nice tip, but... Um, I got to think, you know, Pekka Rene is making that save. Mm-hmm. And Mike Smith in a game like that, he's got to make those big saves. And I'm not, I'm not being critical of his play or anything, but it's just a game where, you know, if your goalie makes that really big, amazing save. There was one where Pekka Rene absolutely stoned Monaghan. Mm-hmm. Like he had an open cage and yeah. Rene just threw his body across and just stuffed him. Everyone was shocked that he saved that. I was celebrating. I thought it was in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a goal. I, I was off the couch cheering, but uh, he'd made the save. Like, it was just, you thought that's a goal for sure, and he made the save, and we just, we, we couldn't get our quality scoring chances, and we just didn't get the breaks, really. I think there's something to be said about how Nashville executes their special teams <coughs> and how we can take a page from their book. I would hope that in games like uh, like the national game that we saw, that guys like Ultz and, and, and the other coaches on our bench take that into consideration. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but when Nashville was on the penalty kill, the amount of pressure, I mean, you mentioned the yeah. pressure, but the that amount five of on five pressure, four on five oh pressure, man, it's unreal. They're on our guys immediately when we have, when we're trying to cycle the puck. Like, I agree with you. Like they, they were almost tireless and relentless. And, like, you, you wow. almost want to be like, guys, we, we need to do that. We need to do exactly that. Well, Nashville came, beat Vancouver, beat Edmonton, beat Calgary. Yeah, they just came and conquered. That's it. Uh, like, they just wrecked everybody. And I know Edmonton fans will complain, oh, we really had 40-some shots and they won 4 nothing. Well, well they sorry. Won 4 nothing. But, I mean, they're just a, they're, they're a good team who take their chances. Edmonton are... Not a good team, <laughs> at all. No, you guys are you guys are terrible. But but McDavid took took over Johnny in the you points know, now. You, so you watch our playing. you watch our penalty kill, and it's like a a collapsed box, and we put yeah. no kind of pressure on them, and they can they can get in close, get into the hash marks, and cycle the puck and take their chances. And when we have a power play, it's just uh it's just the perimeter defender to defender to the perimeter to the defender, nothing in front of the net. And, you know, you look at that Nashville goal, that Nashville player was able to make that tip because he was unmarked in front of our goalie. There were two Flames players around him and no one picked him up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in positions like that, you're going to score. And if the other team isn't going uh, to check you in front of the net, well, heck, you're, you're going to score way more often than not. So 
we really have to look first at how they scored and what they did to prevent a prevent us from scoring and b getting their goals because they just they exploited our weaknesses, which is what I'm afraid a lot of teams are doing. <coughs> Sorry, but I mean, <laughs> they're just You're getting all fired up over there. I know it just it's just you watch the Flames day in day out, and you know what they're doing wrong, and you kind of think other teams don't, but they do, and then they play on that, and then I just wonder. How are we doing that to other teams? Mm-hmm. Like, how are we targeting their weak lines? And how are we getting out there and, you know, playing, the, playing to their weaknesses? We're not doing that so much. Uh, teams come and play Calgary, and, and, and they know exactly what to do. They, they, they know how we play. We're just we're too predictable, and we've got we to gotta mix things up a little here. I mean, I don't know what the trick is, but we can't keep going on like this. Yes, we, we did win tonight 6-1, but that's coming off a three-game losing streak. And we're losing those one-goal games to teams that we can't afford to lose to anymore. Right now, after this game, we're one point behind San Jose, and San Jose, San Jose has played three less games. Yeah, that's bad. And they're third that's in really the bad. they're third in the Pacific. I didn't realize they're three less. As games. much as I'd like to think Vegas is going to slow down, it, it's just not going to happen. It doesn't look like There's it. There's no way it's going to happen. They're just they're playing without pressure. They're playing as a team. <coughs> Excuse me, and. It's just hard for us to to gain that ground. They just got so many guys on that team that they just give a shit and they work and they play they play every game like it's a playoff game. My only fear for Vegas would be are you guys going to be out of gas by the time the playoffs roll around? I don't that know. That I don't can, care about. I don't know if yeah, they're going mean, to take one of those top 3 spots in the Pacific. And at this rate for sure. You know, it's not good going into the playoffs being a wild card and there's no way we're going to catch L.A., and if anything, it has to be San Jose. And They've just stepped up their game. They've played harder. They've played up to their potential where we have, we have not. <laughs> we have played poorly lately. We have played really poorly, and it's showing. Like it's so, it's so frustrating to watch this team play sometimes, and you just see them out there on the ice just for whatever reason, A, not taking their scoring chances, B, because we're not creating them, and then just defensively playing okay, but still getting beat because, you know, we're, we, we give up our share of scoring chances and the other team scores them. And we just can't replicate that. Something does need to change. Um, because it wasn't that long ago, I think it was two episodes ago, where we were like, wow, we're actually playing really well now. It looks really good. And then all of a sudden we're doing another podcast where we're sitting there going, we're playing like shit again. Well, I've heard. Um, I, I've heard. We're lacking the consistency that we need. To be a contender. I've heard someone say it's like, oh, the Flames just had a six-game road trip and they're tired from that. I'm like, no. no These guys know this it. is in the schedule. That's nothing to do with I mean, it. get your sleep every night. Get your rest. Get ready to go. We just played a back-to-back game and we just won 6-1. Is there a change in the sense that do we need a different coach? Do we need to trade a player? Do we need to shake something up that way? Who would you trade? I'm having a tough time. Uh justifying our quote-unquote best deep well one of the best defense like lines in the league out there i'm having a really hard time believing that these days i mean i was probably in the camp that said i think it was like in the top 10 maybe the 10th best uh defensive depth basically in the league now i don't see that i can't even make an argument for the top 15 at this point what about trading someone i heard so why not trade a defender who can probably fetch some value and then just shake it up a little bit. What about trading 
TJ Brody to Ottawa for Mike Hoffman. I really like Brody. Um, They're not going to take. Uh, well, would Ottawa I take a Hamanich? Hamanich, sorry. Uh, I don't know. I I would trade Dougie. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Not just because like he's. That's a bone of contention there. No, I know, but the reason why I would choose Dougie over those guys is that, for for starters, this brother thing, I I he's not good enough to even warrant that. I mean, if he's a guy that's kind of like a, uh, if we're talking about like a Rob Niedermeyer type, you know, caliber defender, Dougie's good enough, but Freddie isn't. No, but my point is that with Dougie comes Freddie. We 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 waste a well, roster spot it, for this guy. Have have Brian Burke go tell Dougie that you sorry man, Freddie's done. Well, I know, but there's a reason why they won't do that. He's clearly not good enough. What's the what you can't really think Dougie has this I'm organization by the balls. Well, I'm just saying there's something going on there that they're still allowing this guy to be traveling with the team and still take up a roster roster spot. What I'm trying to get at is nobody on the team should ever warrant that kind of power for starters as a player. Okay. No, I agree. And another thing is that he's not playing well, and he still can fetch a lot of uh, value for us, and maybe we need to get rid of him because I don't like the idea of having a player on the team that kind of has a team by the ball and says, like, well, I'm awkward as shit, so I need my brother around. Well, okay, but if you're putting up 200 points a season, then yeah, okay, that's you, you know what? You can bring your fucking pig around. I don't give a shit. But if you – are fetching this like kind of you're wielding this kind of power in the club it's just weird man like i couldn't imagine if i was a pro athlete i couldn't imagine playing with a guy that literally needed his brother around everywhere that we go uh like, that's hello henrik daniel yeah. <laughs> come on if henrik okay i'd let us slide if fucking they're Dougie holding and Freddy hands were as like, we speak man i would let us slide if dougie and freddie were combined performers like henrik and daniel okay i'll let that slide but in this case we're wasting a roster spot on one guy. I don't like he doesn't add any value on the ice, unfortunately. Like there's See, no point. Any other guy would never be on the team. But your Niedermeyer comparison, I don't know exactly, but Scott Niedermeyer, amazing defender. Rob Niedermeyer, still a decent player. Well, Rob was okay, but, but he's still an NHL player. I know, but what I'm saying is that if Rob asked for Scott but, to come but by, but they never did. No, I, I know because they're not whatever Dougie is, they're not him. I don't know what it is, is if he's that awkward. But then you see all these like video bombs of Dougie doing like these weird faces behind the guy when he's doing an interview or something like that. It's like, well, he doesn't seem that awkward. So, so what is it? Okay, why did Boston backtracking here a little? And I'm not sure if I know this. Why did Boston let Hamilton go to begin with? Maybe I mean maybe there's a re- that kind of reason. It's like, well, you're good, but you don't you're not good enough to justify this kind of shit. Do like, we know why? I have no idea. Okay, here you go, Jeopardy music. We'll be back. And we're back. So the Bruins uh, just couldn't come to terms with Dougie or he didn't want to stay or anything like that. The official word is that we extended him a contract offer that we thought was quote-unquote sizable and he didn't want it. So they traded him for picks, what will be comparable to the offer sheet he would have received. 
Additionally to that, I guess maybe part of their thinking as well, they traded Lucic to L.A. and got another first-round pick. So they had three picks directly in the middle of that draft. Now, I have no idea who those players are or how they turned out, nor do I really care. But apparently that's why Dougie came to Calgary, because he didn't want to stay in Boston or didn't like their contract or whatever reason. Um, maybe there's a bit more to that that we don't know. But... So to tra track back to my answer, I would trade Dougie. You would trade Dougie? Yep. What, I know I'm what would you get for Dougie? That. I think I would probably get something offensive, something This like team needs, uh, if, if it's anything, a right winger, please. Yeah. A first line right winger, because but are those, are those easy to get? Well, I mean, if you're propping up a guy like Dougie, I think you can get back some decent value. Um, because we do have a lot of depth of D in our farm anyway, so we should be able to bring up somebody to replace him. Um, I don't have a player in mind because I didn't really think about that before we started the podcast. But no, how for could sure, you? For sure, I would trade him, and yeah, I would try to get a, like basically a right winger or not a center, that's for sure. No, we, we have way too many of those, but right winger for sure. But yeah, like, is it is it a trade? Is it is I, it different uh, coaching? Like, I don't know what's going to change. I honestly this team think we'll consistent. look we'll look at moving one of these defenders before the end of the year. I think so too. Because hopefully, get something back for the forward side, a, a team who really needs defensive help, maybe a bit deep on forwards can can ship something our way. You know, maybe if you're looking at Vancouver, like a Brandon Saad from Chicago. Mm. Not that they really want to trade that guy. But that might be a deal that you could swing for one of our defenders. Maybe they need defensive help. They they still have Keith and Seabrook, but yeah, I'm just pulling guys out of my ass here. But yeah, I think I think maybe trading one of those defenders would be a good idea because carrying those five guys. I mean, if we have a defense like that that should be one of the best, then we should be shutting teams down, which we're not doing. And, I mean, you watch Kulak's been playing lately. He's been playing really, really well. Some of the plays he's been making have been solid defensively, sound, intelligent, smart hockey plays. And I'm just – I can't necessarily say the same for our other players because Brody has been very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's been very inconsistent. Hamilton's been in this huge rut. And, I mean, you watch him. Hamilton's a player that where I watch just from the complete perspective of a fan – where one game he can be great, and the next game I'm like, why is this guy on the ice? And he can just be so bad. But you know he has such skill, and it just it's about finding that consistency, right? You know, Sadly, one of the most consistent players on our team, Stajan, is just, he's consistent, but he's not good. <laughs> well, he's consistently bad, but consistent nonetheless. I mean, he, he, I think he got in a point tonight, and he hadn't gotten an assist in 35 games. Mm-hmm. But our boy Brower is, you know, he's picking it up. He is. He is. He was Hawk, that right good. winger we always hope for. That's fucking good. It's about time. <coughs> Four and a half million a year. Well, I mean, he's still not even close to what he should be doing. What do you think about that new I'll look? Start somewhere. <laughs> what do you think about that new look third line? Jankowski, Hathaway, Bennett. I like it a lot because I'm a big Jankowski fan. I'm a big uh, Hathaway fan, too. I've been pleading for Hathaway to get called up and just replace Stajan. Uh, Hathaway's done really well. And Bennett's had this resurrection the last, I guess, the last five games here. He's been playing a lot better, playing his game. He's flying on, like, he's flying on the ice. Even tonight, 
he was just every time he had the puck, you could just feel like he was a presence with it, right? Normally, it's almost like, oh, well, he's he's about to lose or just dump it in. No, but he went in with, he went into the zone with conviction, and he had something in mm-hmm. mind, and purpose. he yeah, he had purpose, he had execution. The guys kind of going back to that style of play that I like, that I think he's good at, um, kind of like that power four that you know drives the puck in the net. Has like crashes the net when he needs to, wins the board battles, you know, gets everybody else involved. And I think Hathaway is like this perfect glue for those two because Hathaway is the guy that's going to get dirty. He's going to win you the puck back. He'll give you that second chance. And he's also got decent hands and he reads the game pretty well. And then Jankowski's got really good hands. And he's, you know, he's a goal scorer as well. I really like the look of that line. Yeah, that line's really good. I, I just think it might be worth experimenting. If you want to, I think we should experiment right about now in December. We got a couple home games coming up. We, we got to win those games against St. Louis and Montreal. We St. Louis is a tough team, but we have to, we have to win both of those games leading into Christmas. We need some momentum here. We need to have a bit of a streak going so that we can en- end the year on a high note and go uh, into January on some wins with some points really chasing down San Jose. But like I was saying, that goal that Bennett scored tonight, it was just, it, it was, it had that purpose. It had that conviction. He knew what he was doing. He was looking for the pass. He takes the shot. It's there. It's mm-hmm. in. And I mean, granted, Vancouver was about four seconds delayed on back checking on that play. But still, take nothing away from Bennett. I just wonder about the experiment- experimentation part, putting him on a line with Monaghan and Goudreau. Because I'm not sure about that. They've been in a bit of a slump lately, and it might might fire things up. I'm not. I I, I think you know, uh, Furland I like as a player, but I don't think he's that first line guy. And I think if we can find that right winger that slots in there, that has the complement of skill, speed, and size. Or I know it's asking a lot for those kind of three things, but it has that kind of complement, and then can add to what those two players bring. That's the missing piece right now, and that missing piece is costing us quite a bit. I mean, for a while it was goaltending for us. Now we've seen like we've sorted the goaltending. Riddick looks really solid as well. So the future looks bright because Gillies is there. Parsons is there. Mike Smith can carry us this season and the next. Uh, Eddie Lack can uh, go back to Sweden and juggle his tennis balls in uh, Stockholm and do whatever it is he does there. They probably have some fancy Swedish ball. <laughs> Swedish rubber ball, I don't know. But... Um, I think now we got to fo- focus a little on improving our forward group. I agree. And that starts at right wing, definitely, as we've been harping on and on and on about. But finding that foil for that first line is the key. And that's, that's where Treliving really has to earn his pay. Mm-hmm. Like, find that guy and get him for us. Do whatever it is you have to do. And again, like, you look at how Kulak's playing the season and Vegas, you took England who was going to sign with you anyhow, you, you passed up this guy? Really? You're lost because it's our game for sure. Like, He's a good player. I, I like watching him play. And that Vegas team, I don't know. Hey, I guess I can't really criticize what they did, but uh, that was a big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're the ones that are laughing right now. Yeah. They're, they're killing it, man. Maybe they're not laughing because they, they, they want that first-round pick. They're not going to get him now. Well, <laughs> that's Edmonton's job. Not Arizona's. Not Vegas Arizona's got the basement locked. That's yeah. Edmonton's job. Yeah, 
Edmonton yeah, Edmonton not that. far behind. No. As always. Do you know who our power play coach is? I don't. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't even think of a name. I can't even think of any of the assistant coaches' name right off my top of my head here. But either way, I think our special team coaching needs probably a shakeup as well. Yeah, I think it won't hurt to. Maybe we try that first. Maybe, you know, we demote these guys to. I mean, is it even possible to demote a coach to the farm? Oh, hockey proves anything's possible. Yeah, well. Just ask Edmonton. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, maybe they try, you know, maybe just bring up the Stockton guys and, and, you know, like let them have a shot at, especially in our home games, let them have a shot at the special teams and see how that happens. Like, I. It's so, you know, the coaches get the worst deal out of all this because if the team is doing poorly, who gets it? The coach, right? It's not the players. It's the coach. And it's kind of bullshit, right? Because the guys on the ice are ultimately the ones that produce the goods. They're the ones that score. They're the ones that penalty kill. They're the ones on the power play, whatever. They make the save. But the coach gets fucked in the end. And... um, you know, why not try? Why not try a couple new special But, I mean, if the, if the coach has lost the dressing room, has lost the players, he's got to go. Absolutely. There's, there's no way back But I don't that. see that yet. I don't, I don't see that yet. Like, I don't think the, fl- the players are completely sold on his system, but at the same time, I don't think they've sold on him either. Well, I've heard, I've heard too many times about this. We're on a train, we're on a plane, we're doing something, and it's, yeah, we had, we had a beer, or go have a beer, and everything will be sorted. Like... You know, maybe, I don't know what kind of approach you have to take, but sometimes it's not just, oh, yeah, we'll fix everything over a beer. Uh, I don't know, but I, something, something, something's got to give us some optimism going into 2018 here, and hopefully we can start with a win over St. Louis and a win over Montreal so that we don't, we got, okay, we got two days rest, three days rest, Wednesday night's the game, fired up for a home game against a Western Western team, like, we cannot afford to drop any more points at home. And I know St. Louis is a good team, but let's, let's get one over on these guys because well, use the Elliott factor. Elliott used to play there. Get upset. Get upset. <laughs> what do you think about um, how the Yager project is going? I actually want to know your thoughts first on this. I think it's time that uh, he takes a sit for a while because I don't, I don't like that He's taking a spot from Lazar. I'd rather Lazar play there because Lazar is has a future with this club. Yager does not. And I think that he's adding value to the players in the dressing room. But physically, he just can't handle it. And he, the guy only has one goal. It doesn't seem like he's contributing too much on the ice. He took a bad penalty tonight. And that's, that's going to hurt you in the long run. And I, I, can't, see wh- I can't see signing Yager for a fourth-line role. It doesn't make sense. He's not that energy. He's not that checking guy. That's what Lazar brings for you on that fourth line. Um, granted, Lazar's also having a bit of a tough go of it. But I'd, I'd rather see us, you know, we took the farm chance with Jankowski and with Hathaway. Why not with some other players here? Because if you move Bennett up to the first line and you put Mangiapane on that third line, that's reuniting that AHL line, is it not? And they were killing it there. And I mean, what the heck? Why not? If things go, maybe if we're if we're we're losing a lot, it's worth trying. Or maybe if we're winning, keep things like they are because it's working. But I I don't think Yager. I think Yager like 
the, a huge respect for the guy. Amazing player, but 45, 45 is really old. <laughs> yeah. Like, really old. And the fact that he can even still play out there and not look completely out of place is amazing. But I just think that he doesn't have the physical attributes to do it anymore, day in, day out. I mean, it takes a while to recover from that injury and then coming back from it. I just think the team will do better without him in it, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to disagree um, for just a couple points. The, for starters, I think we need a guy like him around. Unlike unlike Freddie Hamilton, like I think Yager adds a lot of value in the in the dressing room on the bench because often when you see the camera pan onto Yager after he makes like a like a good move around a player or he holds the puck really well or something like that he's always joking with the guys on the on the bench which is important to have like a, have a legend like that look at you and smile and be like yeah you know I totally screwed that guy up right um, I kind of like that aspect of him it's cheap I mean for a million I mean I'm gonna do that all day um, I think he can still add quite a bit of value in terms of points like he may have one goal but i think he has like 10 assists or something I like that no he doesn't have that many uh, there's no check. way i'm pretty sure he's got like 13 points man like he just his his risk reward on the ice is too great for me like that physical attribute starting to take silly penalties six assists sorry so he has seven points in 19 games which is still more than brower by the way but um, I don't know if it's more than Brower now. On a, on a game, on a point per game basis, it is, because he's only played 19 games versus Brower. Brower's played every game. Right? And Brower has what? Well, <laughs> we could check that right now. But anyway, like I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that um, I'd like having him around. I think he adds a lot of value. Brower's nine points in 34 games, so that's just atrocious. But so. What you're trying to do, I mean, from what you said earlier in the episode, is that you want to move Bennett up to the first line, move down Furland. I wouldn't mind trying up, that. But then if you bring up Mangiapane, then you're putting Furland on the last line, in which case you're putting in Furland, Stajan, and... No, I'm putting in Brower, Furland, and Lazar. Brower, Furland, and Lazar. See, I'd still rather have Yager than Brower right now. Oh, Yager? Yeah, okay, that's different, though. But it's not. I mean, if you're putting them all in the fourth line. They're, no, well, they're not going to scratch Brower. I, I still well, don't Where'd you put Brower then? On the fucking waivers, <laughs> man. I know he's doing well lately, and I'm, I'm happy to see it because it, it helps the team. We need him to start producing on the ice. Like, I, I want this guy to have double the points right now. I'm just, I'm just of the mindset that... It's just hard to argue we, for me we, that we really Yager need to develop these players. And if we if we if we took that chance on Lazar, it's not fair for us to do that to him. But I would I would argue that the Lazar experiment's a failure. Is it is it over? Doesn't he deserve a, at least a bit more time? No, I think I don't think he needs any more time. He's a young guy. You've always advocated for giving young players time. Yeah, but if they have skill, <laughs> if they show it, the guy has no, skill. No offense to the guy. Well, okay, but I mean, he only puts in. A handful of good games and so far this season. Uh, he doesn't warrant a permanent spot on the team. He he warrants it more than Brower. But I mean he doesn't that that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't say anything to me. Like I think guys in the A warrant it more than Lazar. 
Right? Yeah. Why, why should you hold back a guy in the A who's like got, you know, 18 points or something like that? And he doesn't get a place because A, you got somebody's brother on the on the team. B, you got Lazar on. He's a healthy scratch every game so far, well, last few games. You have a guy like Brower who's getting paid four and a half million still only has like single digit points. Like that's kind of where my head's at. Like Yager's not necessarily the problem here. And I know the question was, what do we do with him? Or do we keep going with them? I, th- I say we keep going. You bring up a young guy who's hungry like a Mangiapane or someone that he can, he can teach. He can tutor a little bit, right? I don't... I, Cause, because I, Brower's I, not doing that. I think this might be a bit of a moot point because I don't know how many games Yager will actually be able to hack out. Well, yeah. I mean, it, so there, there's the, the... You know how they have, like, day-to-day injuries? Yeah, he might be no, playing, like... Like, Yager's on his, like... It's like... You know, data Yager, basically. 50 to 60 games Well, it's the 45-year-old factor, right? He's probably like, you know, he's a scratch in games where he's like, dude, I'm too tired, right? I'm I'm too fucking old. Just give me a break. The more I look at it, what the Flames did with Yagers, the more it just looks like a panic move. Because if they were actually planning to bring in Yager to be part of this team, they would have done it a lot sooner than they did. I agree. I think the Flames kind of screwed this up. And then when they they did do it, like, Yager was desperate. He was going to take anything. And, you know, it just reflects the Flames' desperation. And they were just thinking, I'm, I'm, I can make this move now, but it might not be the best decision for us as a team. Mm-hmm. And it, it looked like a bit of a panic buy. Like uh, the end of the end of free agency or whenever, like season's about to start, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to go out there, we're going to get Yager. And hopefully it works out for us. Like, yeah, it was a gamble, too, but it's also the timing of it. It just looks like a bit of a panic. But, I mean, we've made some decisions. I think we should just – I think we should stick with Lazar as much as we can for that fourth-line spot. Like, really tell him, you know, you're not, you're not – your job isn't to go out there and score goals. Your job is to go out there, bring some energy, have a good shift, and, like, get guys fired up. And then the goals will come from that. The assists will come from that. You'll get your chances. Just take them naturally. You've scored goals before. You, 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 you were a f- an amazing player, and we believe in you. And that's why we traded for you, and we've got it for you. And I think he just needs to know that. And it's, it's hard for that guy to have that sustained confidence when, you know, you're always looking over your shoulder thinking, when is that net guy going to come back from injury? And when is this – when is – um. When is, when is my next game going to be a healthy scratch? Things like that. And, I mean, what's going to happen when Versteeg comes back? Who sits then? Because mm-hmm. he's Versteeg's definitely coming. This, is he, but is he out for the he, season? He's month to month, but it's rumored he could be the season. But yeah. let's say, in theory, he comes back in March 1st. I know it's a long way away, but right now, who do you sit for Versteeg? Don't say Brower because it's not happening. But, but it should. <laughs> That's not the point, man. We're, we're talking about this, and we're, we're talking about what we think it should happen. I'm saying that Brower should be sitting. He should have been sitting a long fucking who, time ago. Uh, who, who do you think the Flames will sit because Versteeg returns? Well, if Lazar is playing, then they would sit him. Uh, they'd From tonight's sit, lineup. Probably sit Stajan. Stajan? Because they have been doing it a lot more this season than prior seasons. I mean, he was my Brower before Brower Who centers Brower came. that fourth line? Versteeg? Yeah. He's not a center. So? <laughs> we have so many centers, we well, can't we have one on We don't even line. give a shit about that, really. I mean, like, in the, on the fourth line, do you really care about that? Like, you're not... I mean, obviously, you got to win your face-offs, but... 
I mean, I've seen Verstegen. We need to bring back Christoph Oliwa. Okay. <laughs> Chris Simon. Speaking of 45. We need a line of Chris Simon. Yeah. Christoph Oliwa. You know what? If we did my experiment, I told you about that, is that you had two lines of stars and two lines of goons. You would be, certainly be under the salary cap. You can give like, you know, $8 million a player on each, on each of those two lines, right? And then you would only need like one awesome line of D and then like maybe just like two lines of half-ass defenders. Like you play your first line of D for like 30 minutes a game. Who gives a shit? Like if you're dominating some games, you could just sit them and rest them a little bit. But then you have two lines of fucking goons who come out. If we're losing the game, then you just sit the first two lines and you just let the goons play for like 10 minutes. Just really fuck up the other team. <laughs> just like the year that we, when we made the final and won the cup, you know, we, we would just send out the goons when we were losing those games. Like, yeah, it's bad sportsmanship, but who gives a fuck? Like, See, you know, we're going to win. The NHL would find that. a way to come down on us for the that. The NHL has already come down on us, man. Like, we're, look at these penalties we're getting called against us. They like, find even more of a man, way. Weidman destroyed it anyway. So you might as well have the two lines of goons. Have two lines of goons. I bet you it would work. Glenn, are you listening? Have two lines Brad, of goons. Brad, Brian, Christmas is coming. It's worth it. I think it's worth a shot. If what we will Santa last, bring us? If we were dead last, I'd say we should. Who try is the it. biggest goon in the NHL right now? There is none right now. So you got to find these. You got to no, go you, on you like bring, you got to bring back get the John those guys Scott's from the movie like, Go yeah. Goon. Yeah. John Scott is like the friendly giant now. Yeah, I know. He got all soft when he went on the All Star team. <laughs> you need like goon goons. Yeah, man. Like, like go guys who grew HL. up in the hood. Go in the HL, find the fighters. Be like, okay, you're coming to the Flames. Let's go. You're centering the third line. <laughs> Fucking A, man. Like, I think it would work. Yeah, they can't play that much. No, they, you no. Know, so you're prioritizing your first two lines. They get, like, pretty much double the minutes, so they'll play way more. The other two lines, like, yeah, they'll just get out and just fuck some guys up a little bit. And You'd then, be killing a lot of penalties. That's okay. Like, as long as, like, you're, you're, you're fucking up another team, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't know if this plan would work, but... Okay, well, who do you give the, uh, in the last few games here, who do you give the Clark Wilm Award to for worst performer of the team <laughs> in the last three games? Dougie Hamilton. Yeah. Dougie's been terrible. Dougie has been terrible. And, like, as a whole, I haven't that. been too impressed with our defense lately, but Dougie's been bad. And it just goes back to the simple things, right? Making that pass to the guy's stick. And it's a, it's, it's a novel concept to these guys at NHL level. We're, we're still having a lot of passes to the skates. And every time I see that, it's just, what the hell? Like, give it to the guy's stick. It's not that hard. But we're fishing passes out. It looks like our team is afraid to take a one-timer. Mm -hmm. we, we, I, I can't remember the last time I saw these guys take a one-time shot. And I, I was, you're screaming at your television set, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. Take that one-timer. You're in that lane, and they hold the puck, and the chance is gone. And Dougie does that the worst. Like, oh. he actually has an amazing one time when he does it, but for whatever reason, he likes to hold the puck when he receives a pass. I'm agreeing with you, too. Like, I think you know Dougie's been the worst. Unf and and bad penalties, too. On forward, too, Mo Monaghan's in a bit of a slump, and he's, he's been struggling. He's, I think he's been without a point for, like, five games now. So he needs, he needs a boost here because he's had a really electric start to the season. I really liked his play, but... Lately, he's just been struggling a bit. I think they just, I think these young guys like Johnny Monahan, 
it just gets in their head a little bit. Like, wow, I'm I'm f- I'm tied for fourth in goals in the NHL, and I'm third in points. What? What's going on? Just keep going, guys. Just keep playing your natural game. You're there because you have that skill. You're meant to be there. It's not some fluke. Just keep playing that way. But I don't know. It seems like it might be. It looks like a lot of our problems outside from power play, penalty kill, and general five on five, which is everything, <laughs> are mental, and we have. Uh, we have a lot of problems that compound each other. Y- you know, it's just, it's just a bit bad. It's just a bit bad. But uh, anything else? I got none. So holidays are coming up here. We're gonna have a bit of a mid-season review uh, before between Christmas and New Year's. We'll probably have one more for you uh, to talk about those two games leading into the Christmas break. So we've got St. Louis at home and Montreal at home Wednesday and Friday. Uh, and then before the year ends, we'll have our mid-season review, as I just said, and I'm telling you again, just in case. Um, if you're still listening at this point, you probably know that we're on Twitter and that you can find us on wherever you get your podcasts. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell them the best Christmas gift you can give them is a... And not tickets to Star Wars Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> the best Christmas dicks gift you can give them is, I, I just said Christmas dicks. Okay, that... The best Christmas gifts you can give them, gift, because it's singular, is is to sign up for (laughs) the Flames fan cast. (laughs) That would be the the best thing I could suggest. That was the uh, worst executed plug of all Sometimes when I have like those monologue times, you know, where I talk, (laughs) it gets difficult. Like I think while you you speak? I do this a lot. You know, when I'm talking by myself, it's like I'm, I'm saying the words too quickly. And my tongue can't keep up with my brain. You know, my brain yeah. is so developed and enhanced oh, yeah. that my yeah. muscles in my body are just inferior. Like this, this human skeleton and, and being that I'm in is just, it's just not sufficient enough for my. Well, our brain wasn't you know? sufficient enough to enjoy the Last Jedi. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Have but you anyhow, seen the fucking reviews for that. <laughs> I saw the movie. The with critics, you. the critics, the critics are paid. They gave it like a 95%, but if you look at the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 61. The fuck is going on here? Disney's like paying everybody off. We are we are huge Star Wars fans, and The Last Jedi was disappointing. If we had a, if we had a Star Wars podcast, it'd be like two hours long about how shit that movie was. It was bad. But I mean, it, it was bad. It was bad. Sorry, but back but, to but besides that, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We love to hear from you talk about anything that you've got to say or any thoughts that you'd like to share, any questions that you'd have or things you'd like us to talk about, you know. If you disagree about Jenk wanting to trade Hamilton, let us know and let us know what you think about if we could ship out a defender and who we could get, particularly for that right-wing spot. I think we need that the most. But again, just thank you very much. Have a fantastic evening. We'll catch you in about a week's time. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.